in the fourth chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, we hear words similar to this. Right at the end of that chapter, we hear that we have such a great high priest, referring to Jesus, a great high priest who, who can sympathize with us, who can feel for us, who knows our weakness, for he's felt everything we feel except sin. And the next verse says, so let us confidently approach the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and timely help. We could say, let us boldly come before the throne of grace. How many times in Scripture we see that? 40, over 41 times in Scripture we see people boldly coming before God and requesting asking. Shades, the words tonight, have pity on me, Lord, son of David. Same words that we'll hear at Thanksgiving when the lepers come, when they say, have pity on me. When Bartimaeus sits by the side of the road and has and have pity on me. Called. Called to turn to God in our time of trouble. Called to turn to our Lord who says to us to come when we are burdened and heavily, heavily burdened and, are, and need rest and he'll give it to us. And as we spoke of not too long ago in a homily not in a, in a distant past, we're so afraid to come to God and ask for the things we need when he's so open to us and says do it. You know, we, we can go to God, we can come before Christ and, and here in, in our church, in two places in this church, in front of the blessed sacrament, in times of exposition and, and times of adoration, and ask the Lord for everything we need, just as simply as we do when we get to that parking lot or stand in the long line at the grocery store and tell everybody else, who can really do nothing for us except say, oh, sorry, <laughs> wish I could do something for you. Have pity on us. Have pity on me. Have pity on my daughter. Have pity on my blindness, my, my hearing, my aging, my poverty, my addictions. This Canaanite woman for us represents so many people in the course of history who start out sort of as outsiders. Notice in scripture who Jesus, who comes to Jesus. Not the ones who know better, not the ones who are sitting in their pew every Sunday in the temple, not the ones who are trained as scholars in, the, in, in, the, in religion and things of faith. It's outsiders. Samaritan women, Canaanite women, lepers, blind people, deaf people, mute people, all kinds of people, all sorts of people. And Jesus comes to them and he says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they tell him and it's usually done. Can't remember, I don't know any place where he didn't do something except for the young man who wanted to know what he could do to inherit eternal life. And when Jesus told him what he could do, he couldn't handle it and walked away. Nothing happened. Sort of like when Jesus goes home and he stands in it, he's in that temple and, and, and he could work very few miracles, the scriptures tell us, because at his home, in his own home, people had little faith. They didn't believe he could do anything. So this, this person who starts out as an outsider and all these people eventually bring together the richness of our church. We still do it. We invite everyone. Everyone. Despite what the news media may say. Despite what your grandmother might have told you. 
despite what we might personally think about other people. Everyone is, everyone is welcome. All are welcome. Everyone. And when we start to make people feel unwelcome here, then we, then we cease to be a church. We cease to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. One person walks out of here tonight and feels that they didn't feel welcomed here. We all failed. We all failed. And this woman shows us that, that you know, it, 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 think about the growth of the church. Where did the growth of the church come from? Pagan nations, Rome and Greece. Who are we praying for to be evangelized? And now they evangelize us. Africa and Latin America, Asia. The outsiders have built us. The outsiders have really adhered to the words of Christ. The outsiders recognize that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that he says he is. While the rest of us smugly ignore his presence. Smugly ignore him in others. And don't even ask for anything. Don't even come to him in prayer. This woman wasn't concerned for herself. That's where we fail. We come before God, as I said last week, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I want, but here's my page of things I'd like. You know, this woman wasn't concerned. She was concerned about her daughter, just like the centurion was concerned for his daughter, just as the, the, the widow was concerned for her dead son. And so many other, 41 other times where, where people come to Christ and they say, this is where we're concerned and it's outside of their own need. This woman's concerned for, you know, I think mothers and, 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 and fathers will, will move heaven and earth for their children. What about our mother who we just celebrated her assumption? What about our father? What about our savior? What about the spirit that lives in us? If you, if you who are evil know how to do good things, the scriptures say, for your children, how much more your heavenly father for you. The Canaanite woman for me represents all kinds of people who stand firm in their belief and their passionate commitment to noble causes. To do what is right, to do what is just. We heard that in the first reading. You know, we want to do, observe, help us, Lord, to observe what is right and to do what is just. We're going to say it here at this altar. Together, we will ask the Lord to help us know what is right, what is just. And she's bold about it. She boldly, she boldly approaches the throne of God and asks. Scriptures command us to be bold when we speak to God. Scriptures command us to be bold as you and I preach the word by our deeds and our actions. Scripture commands us to be bold in the things we ask in prayer. Scripture asks us to be bold in our relationships. Here she is. She's not concerned what others are going to think of her. She just boldly goes up to Jesus. In fact, I think she shouts at him. You know, when we hear this gospel read in church on Sunday, have pity on me, Lord, son of David, that woman was probably screaming above a crowd so he, she could be heard. I think the Lord guides all of us. The Lord, the Lord looks at all of us. 
He sees us as outsiders. He sees us that, 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 that people are need help. He sees people who are in need of healing. He sees people who lack in their faith. He, he knows the areas of our lives that are a mess, that things in life just aren't the way they should be for us or the way he planned them for us. And somehow he looks at all of our problems and he patiently waits for us to ask. He sees our, he heals us of those physical afflictions, the things that often cause us stress, the horrible memories of our past that rear their ugly heads and haunt us, the broken relationships we've had with people, with the institutional church, with our government. Whatever it is that we're suffering of, God knows. Christ knows, and he knows that that the love we have for him will help him to sort that out for us. That deep inside that spirit that groans for us in ways that we don't know how, God will come to us and, and, and heal us at the very moment when we need him most. Even if he has to reprove us, it's through mercy. So let us call. Let us boldly approach this altar today. Let us boldly approach the throne of God and ask for what it is that we need with faith, with trust, with hope. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul will be healed. Be bold. Be bold.